Nadja Faisal joins me on the podcast today. Uh, Nadja is somebody who um, it goes back a long way in my marketing history and my marketing career because we first met many, many years ago. I haven't actually figured out quite how many, but it is a long time back uh, when we were both uh, working together at um, Cambridge Marketing College. Uh, Nadja was doing a sort of specific course that I was supporting, and we have stayed in touch ever since. And we've kind of been tracking each other's progress. And we thought, wouldn't it be interesting now that we've kind of reached 2024 to kind of review things and see really where we are? So welcome to the show, Nadja. Thanks a lot, Neil. Thanks for having me. So can you remember just how far back it was? I was trying, before we um, sort of met this evening, I was trying to kind of figure out actually when was it that we first met? Can you remember the years that you were doing that particular course? Absolutely. It's 2008 and I was an account executive. I was just starting my career at Leo Burnett and uh, I was, and social media was just coming, uh, was just getting popularity and we at Leo Burnett, we used to do a lot of TV commercials and print ads. Um, and I used to deliver those ads to the media company, Starcom, at the time. I'm not doing ads for these companies, but I just remember like this period in my, in my history at the beginning of my career where I decided I want to know all this digital marketing thing. So I went to um, and I found this uh, Chartered Institute of Marketing, and uh, one of the schools that I can take the course from was um, Cambridge Marketing College, and I signed up for that certification. Um, I think it's called Mini Bachelor or something like that. And then, um, and then I I got in touch and with you as my uh, professor for that certification, and uh, we started a relationship from there, and it was. A very fruitful relationship and um, ever since we've as you said we've been um, in touch and uh, following each other and uh, I you've been a great mentor for me throughout my career so I'm, um, I appreciate you know having uh, this conversation with you right now. Oh, it's, re it's really kind of you to say that because I think, you know, when we first kind of made connection there and we were kind of working through various kind of reports and strategies and things that you were needing to do um, kind of on the course, I, I think at that time I had a feeling that you, you were different to a lot of the other uh, sort of people actually on that course and, and connected with the college. And I, I don't know, I just kind of felt there was a certain energy, there was a, an entrepreneurial spirit, there was something that was just a little bit different. You were bringing a different flavor of marketing to the conversation I can just remember some of the work that you did um, it being just mm, this is this has got so much I don't know depth to it and it was kind of it was really thoughtful and I thought here's somebody who I, I guess kind of is, is part of my sort of community of what we might term mindful marketers um, and mindful not necessarily being meditation and everything but being very mindful of the situation, mindful of the customer, mindful of the challenges and just a realistic kind of strategic marketing planner, really, which I think at the time was quite a rare thing. There, there weren't really many people doing it that way at that time. So that kind of approach, I guess, is still with you kind of today, because I guess it's part of your DNA in many ways. Absolutely. I think um, I was hungry. Um I graduated in, uh, from from college with a degree in advertising and marketing, and um, I fell in love with the idea of 
um, creating a brand that um, sometimes with with good proper positioning and proper management, you could literally print money for that brand. And the more you go up in price, the more valuable this brand is be can be with similar to say the least like some of course sometimes brands you know would would, would use um, prime quality but a lot of the times what we're buying as consumers is the brand and this idea like really captured my imagination and i was so hungry to learn and at the time layover net was a good school it's a good place to start your career because they have a lot of philosophy behind what you do and at the time, they were, they were talking about something called the humankind. And this is kind of a philosophy where brands could be brought to life in, in, in different forms and shapes. And, um, and I was, you know, absorbing all of that learning. And then I coupled that with what I got from, from, your, uh, from your courses. Um, and then I, I, I stayed on track, hungry for learning, um, eternal student of life and of marketing. And yeah, it's been quite a journey. Mm. We're going to talk in a minute about um, well, the key theme for me that I, I want this conversation to be is is the current project that you're working on, uh, your new new business, your new venture, because it's very very exciting, and I would encourage everybody to continue listening to this episode because you will not be disappointed. Uh, there's something really quite special in the work that uh, that Naj is doing right now. Um, but it was interesting actually the way that you described that because I think for me there are two kind of categories of marketers and you are definitely in one of these categories um, there's the marketer who accepts the the status quo accepts how it has been uh, understands the textbooks um, you know is very on brand is delivering campaigns is is doing things in a, a sort of predictable fashion let's say so they're probably getting good results you know they're quite um, sort of easy to predict. Um, they know what's coming this year. It's probably not that different to what was coming last year. And then you have the other category of marketers. And this is the one I'd put you in, Nadja, is, is the one who they're hungry and they're curious. Um, they want to explore more. They're not going to rest on their laurels. They're always challenging. They're looking for a new way of doing things. So it's always about improvement. It's always that, yeah, we might have done well last year, but this year can be even more special. And they're constantly looking to reinvent themselves. You must identify with that kind of definition of a marketer because you've been all over the world doing what you do. It's growth mindset, isn't it? So um, at, at Leo, uh, where the status quo was all about mass communication, mass media, one-way marketing and then there's this little thing that's coming up called social media so i went all in on the social media side and um, i was kind of the digital guy in the agency and then um, it pays off pretty handsomely my my, my career went um, went uh, skyrocketed really and i was the, um, the youngest uh, managing director of an 80 person agency in in and i was less than 30 years old so and now we are in a similar situation right there's this generative ai thing um you know on the block and um you know we're used to do marketing in in the era before that uh, that 
that thing that come about. So now um, I find myself at the the middle of that storm uh, again. I felt myself that I was I am the man. I, I am the one that needs to reinvent myself once again and uh, reskill uh, re myself, upskill myself. And I believe that everyone should be doing the same um, because this is a very transformative technology and we have to be at the forefront as marketers. And I know that you are, you're interviewing a lot of um, AI specialists and AI um, experts and um, you're, you're seeing how valuable this thing is. Mm. Yeah, and I, I guess we're kind of sort of almost sharing the passion here, aren't we? Because, you know, you're, you're seeing it very much from a, a technical development, because we're going to talk about your, uh, your new venture in a moment. Um, but I think I guess for both of us, we're, we're finding that we're being presented because Nadja, by the way, for everyone listening, uh, has a podcast too. And I'll put the link to, uh, to Nadja's uh, podcast and various other ventures uh, in the uh, description for this episode. But I mean, we're, we're kind of sort of seeing a lot of the similar or similar but the same people kind of emerging to tell their stories aren't they through our podcasts but also in the conversations that we're having or the groups that we're part of and it, and it feels like there is this new emerging community of of people who are really i guess at the front edge of this this emerging wave of, of ai capability and ai evolution and it's almost, and I think the really interesting thing and difference for me with this one, and I'd be very interested in your view on this, um, is it is different to the social media uh, revolution when that happened, because that was almost proprietary. You almost had to be in the know to be part of it. Whereas the AI revolution, you can upskill yourself. You don't have to necessarily get another qualification. You can, but you don't necessarily have to do that. You can be part of the community. You can contribute to it. And it's open access, true open access. Whereas I feel back in the days of, you know, the early dawn of social media, it was kind of quite confined. You couldn't just say, hey, I'm a social media expert and I've got all these connections. It's almost like you had to do your time. You had to, um, to, to kind of do the research, but then almost wait for permission to be accepted into that community. Whereas AI, it's, it's open to anybody who is hungry and willing enough to be part of the conversation. Do you, do you see it in a similar way or have I kind of misinterpreted that? I do see it this way to a certain extent, uh, being part of the conversation and using the tools is uh, one uh, important factor to, um, to keeping up with the advancements. Um, but I think from my personal journey and personal experience, there are there there are two types of people, um, uh, another types of people that you mentioned. One, but there are the, the main theme here is that there are some people who, who are not really good with technology. Like they they have a laptop, they have they connect to the internet, they use most of the tools. But I can see from the people around me that you know you will see that they are um, not so intentional about like learning the tools, understanding the back end, understanding how they work, why they work, what's the purpose, what's the business model. Um, so there's a lot more depth to, um, to tech, technology that is not only what the, 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 
the forefront or the interface shows you. And I think I was, I was more curious about this. I was like, I want to know more. How does it work? You know, I'm not going to accept ChatGPT to produce intelligent articles for me without actually understanding how, how it's doing it. So, and, you know, it's, it's also a lot of coincidence as well, because uh, <clears throat> when I, uh, during COVID, when I decided to move to the U.S. to pursue a master's in information systems, I was at the time reading books on AI. Um, I don't know why I was reading books on AI. I think partly it was r romantic, um, uh, ro romantic reasons because I was like, oh, could it be like we, we might be able to produce intelligence that will exceed our intelligence as humans? So I was very curious from that time. I didn't know that ChatGPT will come about, but the coincidence happened that as I, uh, as I was in the last year of my, my master's degree, um, ChatGPT launched and the next semester I had to present the topic for my thesis. So I was like, of course, I'm going to do my thesis on generative AI. And the, the thesis took me to places where I never expected. I never expected to read the papers uh, for my literature review on how, you know, G GPT-4 and the sparks of, um, of AGI, for example, or um, these um, fundamental papers that made this technology what it is today. So that opens my mind to a whole different spectrum. And I knew that I have to be in this space. And I knew, and we're going to talk more about this, that brands and marketing have a huge opportunity right now. And I know a lot of them, they're not recognizing it, but you know, in the very near future, they will eventually because everybody's going to be doing it. So now the people who start this revolution are going to be on the forefront and they're going to show, 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 show us all the example of how to do it. And I, I'm, I'm hopefully that, that I will be part of that process. Well, I think you're already part of the process and I want to now lead into the how you're part of this process because I think for a lot of marketers, a lot of people, um, business owners listening to, to this podcast and watching it uh, will be thinking, well, that's all very well, but I know ChatGPT, you know, it can write me an article, it can prepare a, a meal for me from the ingredients I have in my cupboard, in my kitchen, um, you know, it can do all of these things and that's ChatGPT. You've taken a very different view, though, rather than it just purely be about the creation of content or information or the guidance of um, an answer based around a, a particular question that you ask of it. You've taken a very different view with a concept called or a new business rather called Parrot's Lab. And if I get this right, and you can totally correct me if I haven't got this right, but I think what you're doing with Parrot's Lab is you're using the 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 engine, let's call it, of of ChatGPT to power a proper two way conversation with a brand. So the GPT version of Parrot's Lab, for example, is a front end conversation. We call it an avatar because it's not really an avatar, but it's a conversation piece. It's a, um, it's an access point. It's an interface with your brand that doesn't necessarily involve you. Have I got that Correct. right? Because that, that that is how it feels when you when you experience it. You've got precisely um, right. 
it, I call it conversational brands. And this is basically the main insight, uh, building the next generation of conversational brands. And the idea here is simple. The idea starts with, okay, what is uh, the evolution of marketing? And uh, I'm sure like you, you know, you know that uh, marketing starts with one-way communication, where there's the television and you're watching. And then it evolves into social media and minimum, minimal interaction. So you could comment now on a brand, you can send a DM, you could have this kind of intermittent interaction. But the ultimate dream for a brand is a total engagement, a, a personification, a, you know, they call it brought a brand to life. You know, you bring it to life as a human. And even like when we study brands, we, we think of what's a brand character. Like if Nike was a hotel room or was a hotel, what kind of people you will see in the lobby? Or if Volvo was a hotel, what kind of people you will see in that lobby? So they're totally different characters and different personas and different people, like different people that could be represented for brands. Excuse me for the, for the English here. But the idea here is that brands dream about bringing their personal character to, to life. And, 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 and now, you know, you've got these GPT models that are a blank canvas. They, they, they can interact in natural language. And all I did is adding another layer. And this layer is this exactly, the personal, the persona of the brand, the character of the brand, the personality, in addition, of course, to the products and services uh, and the knowledge of on, on, and on these products and services. So in my head, I thought that this is where brands should go. And I might be wrong on it. You know, it's like um, it, I, took, I took a gamble with Paris Lab. I really, um, you know, um, I figured out from my master's thesis, I, I tested the efficacy of these chatbots that are trained on company websites. So basically I took five companies in my thesis. I haven't published it yet, but it will be very soon. My advisors are pretty excited about it. I took five companies in five different sectors and I created different chatbots for these brands trained on their public information on their company websites. And I uh, brought human subjects more than 150 of them. And I presented to them one group, go browse this website and find me this information. And then another group, I, I presented the chatbot. And I was testing which group reported higher customer satisfaction, which I even timed the survey so that I could tell which group found the information at, uh, the speed of how, how, how quickly they found the information they're looking for. And I tested like all bunch of metrics around that process. It's basically one user would interact with a website as a graphical user interface and another would interact with a website as a, an AI engine. And the results are like crystal clear. You know, there's no doubt that people prefer to just go to talk to somebody, right? Like we love what we're doing right now is having a conversation. We love this stuff. So this is the gamble I took. I was like, okay, brand has to, to, to have conversational websites. 
And, um, and then I start looking on how to create a conversational website that is powered by these AI models. And this is how I came up with, with, with the Parrot Slab model, where you will see that a main chatbot that is AI powered on the center of your website. It's not like the little bubble down there that nobody really likes to use. It's mainly for like customer service. And I think this little bubble, it gained a negative reputation on most websites because it never really worked. It's, it causes more frustration and anger from the customer than it actually solves their problem. So I figured we need to bring this AI agent as a center piece on this brand's website and make it and, and let it loose to go and talk to, to their customers and, and people and see where we can we can take it from there. And it's for me, I'm 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 very convinced that this is the way of the future. Some people would disagree. They would like, no, let's keep it in the bubble. But I mean, I can build both, but I prefer to build it as a centerpiece in the, in the middle of the website. We'll put the link to the uh, to the, uh, the the you called it a chatbot. I, I think I need to find a different um, description for it because it feels so much more. It's, it's more than a chat. It's a sort of a conversation entity. I think it's more than a chatbot because to me, a chatbot feels all the bubble in the corners. You're calling it uh, feels as though it's kind of pre-programmed with you know some stock answers and eventually i'm going to have to press the button to speak to a service agent anyway um i'm, I'm sure lots of people would agree that apart from a few very very you know very impressive um ones that actually work most of them lead to a, quite a disappointing endpoint where you don't actually get an answer you don't actually get the understanding um and and they always come back with have, have i um sort of given you the answer you need and invariably you type no and you just think oh okay i'll go and find it for myself where's the search bar um sort of for this particular website Paris Lab is different though because it, it is so central to the the home page. It's the very first thing you encounter. It, it is almost like having the you use the, um, the hotel analogy. It's like having a concierge, isn't it? You know, you go to even before you get to reception, the concierge desk in the hotel is there before you get to the reception. In other words, is there anything I can do? Can I park your car? Can I take your bags to the reception for you? It, it kind of it holds your hand into the first part of the the customer journey that to me that's what this feels like it's that you have a, almost like a trusted ally right from the off so it's, you know you don't go beyond the home page alone it kind of feels like it's there with you i mean is i mean do you see this as a, a bit of a concierge really because it knows more than you could ever know about the website doesn't it because it knows where everything is you know it knows all the little back routes in to get to where you need to why would you in the future need to use a menu that we've all known for the last 20, 30 years on a website, the menu structure with the right concierge or chatbot or however we call it, that becomes obsolete because your hand is held through the whole journey, isn't it? Yeah, incredible, isn't it? <laughs> like I'm, I'm so happy that you see what I see, right? Like I'm so excited about this um, piece of tech. You mentioned concierge. Why do we love traveling and, and going on vacation? Partly because we get this five-star service. We get, we get someone to greet us with a smile as soon as we enter that, you know, that parking. And then 
they will give us all the services we need. We just need to to ask for it, right? And um, it's it's basically an a, a concierge plus a help desk plus a um, a professional, excellent lead generation salesperson who doesn't sell you. Who basically, you know, the the new generation of of, of sales. It's a lot of different things. It knows about the product more than your best salesperson. Um, so I personally don't see why, why, why people don't use it. And I'm sure that they will eventually. But I think um, we are still programmed to the era of graphical user interface. So I'm sure you know that there is a field of science called human-computer interaction. And I've been also following that part of science, uh, part of my, my thesis as well. I've uh, added a lot of literature from that, uh, from that field of, of, of study. And this human-computer interaction discusses the, how humans interact with machines and technology in general. And it starts with command line interface. You know, back in the days before Steve Jobs, um, we used to, to talk to computers with, with the DOS, you know, the command line, the, the terminal or on Mac, which is it's basically a black screen with text. And, um, and then Steve Jobs came and with the whole revolution of graphical user interface, he created the mouse. And then there's all sorts of icons and visuals and, and stuff. And then we have to move that mouse and click. And I'm sure like five or 10 years down the line, even you know, if, if you if you want to stretch it, you would say 50 years down the line, we would be looking back and saying, remember, you know, we used to have this mouse and keyboard, like really, this is how we used to interact with technology. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that at some point we don't even need a screen or we don't even need a keyboard or, or a mouse because everything could be, um, you know, uh, verbal. Like you could just talk to all the machines around you, like in natural language. And that's why this technology is so transformative because it will reshape how we interact with all the devices around us. Uh, all of a sudden, you don't need any button or any, you know, uh, click here or take a mouse here or touch here. At some point, all what you need is to, to say, it's like a smart home on steroids. Um, and um, not only that, you know, it can actually do things for you too. And this is uh, where uh, a few days ago I interviewed um, the, the, the startup founder, uh, Smarty.ai, and she founded a company that basically it's a, uh, it's a, um, what is it called? It's, um, um, what is it? It's a productivity app that is AI powered, that actually does a lot of things for you. You say, oh, um, schedule a meeting with Neil uh, tomorrow in uh, Starbucks, San Bernardino, and it will know the location, put the link there. Does all of that stuff, a verbal command. And I think this is where we're heading. Um, and I, um, I hope that I've, I've been in touch with many, um, CEOs recently, and uh, a lot of them, they're asking for use cases. And unfortunately, I don't have one because the whole thing is brand new. So I would need those who are interested in experimenting, uh, who are curious to also discover what the potential is, and who are brave enough to, um, 
to believe in this thing and, and run with it. And uh, that's pretty much the challenge right now. Mm. I, I'm very curious about your comment there that this entity, let's call it an entity, um, knows more about your products than your best salesperson. I'm sure people listening to this and watching this picked up on that comment because there is this, I guess, consensus around the world in many different industries, many different disciplines, that this AI stuff is coming for my job. You know, one of the biggest challenges, one of the biggest fears that I hear a lot of is that, yeah, okay, I know it's currently just being used for content production, but it's coming for my job. I can sense it. I, I'm scared of it. If, if what you're saying is correct, that it already, you know, Parrot's Lab can already know more about your products and services than maybe even you do, and you created the products and services, how do we mitigate against that fear? Because the reality is that if this entity, concierge, chatbot, whatever we call it, is able to deliver really, really consistent sales leads or actual actually make sales, because I'm guessing it can follow right the way through the process to getting the customer to commit, it will just by definition take away the need potentially for a very expensive sales force. Now, this might be a, a too big a question really to answer, but to me, that's a really interesting debate, isn't it? Because if this thing is so good, so powerful, so knowledgeable, but also can do it in a way that the customer doesn't feel as though they're being sold to, but it gives them enough evidence to want to buy, well, I don't want a salesperson doing that because I need to train them, pay them, keep them happy, you know, with, with all of their, much as any of us, you know, all of their humanness, it's going to kind of get in the way, but this feels like it's an absolutely super efficient machine that is going to be able to solve all of those problems. So why do I need sales? I guess is the big question. I can start to see now in the way you described it there, Najib, that this is actually coming for us, isn't it? Yes. And this is the short answer. Honestly, um, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. I'm going to tell you exactly how I see it. And this is how I see it. Um, and that's why I um, I started uh, with two of my um, of, of very good friends of mine, uh, professors, um, PhDs who have been publish publishing on the topic, and uh, we're 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 in the process of formally initiate something called Singularity Syndicate as a uh, think tank that would really try to. Um, you know, raise awareness on on the dangers of AI, and uh, also to try to lobby and 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 work with governments to um, to bring back some sort of uh, regulation slash sense to all of this. Um, because you're right. I mean, I am I am selling my own company right now. I'm a one person agency, right? And sometimes I wake up with a headache. Sometimes I eat something that bothers me, and I I I feel bloated, and I don't feel like talking to people. And if, if you if if you are a customer and you talk to me during that day, you probably get a very different response than when I'm in flow or I'm in the zone or I'm in the best performance, best performing um, like mentally, cognitively and physically. Right? Like you, you talk to me in the morning is different when you talk to me late at night when I'm super tired. 
And this is part of who we are as humans. We're biological entities and we have to sleep, I don't know how many hours, and we have to eat specific food to feel energized. And you know, all of these data points play a role in being a good salesman or not. And where this algorithm on the other side um, could be trained and fine-tuned and stress tested because of course all of this is part of the process that you know we deliver as Parrot's lab um and then once that happens you know you've got really a super superhuman uh, uh, in the helm of your sales machine and and it uh, you know you can you can customize everything about this whole journey uh, at, at the start, I, I used to put this lead generation form right right in the beginning of the conversation with 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 my own um, uh, agent or AI agent. Um, and then I noticed, no, I mean, this is this is too salesy. Let me configure that. So I removed that. I made a few more adjustments to the instructions and the knowledge architecture. And now we've got like a more seamless idea. And of course, it can always be optimized and customized but eventually it will reach a point where it will surpass anybody that i could hire to sell the products of paris lab um, it could be much better and now you've got you can add to it an avatar a face you know you can go to synthesia.io right now and um, and create these avatars and then plug them in to that agent and now you have a face was looking natural and of course it's going to get even better with time and um you know what else do you need in the digital space you need a human-like face who is super smart knows everything about your product consistent consistent in their style and messaging and and the way they interact they're not emotional they don't get angry they will treat your customers regardless how annoying the customer is they will treat it in the same way all the time so yeah, it's a it's a dream um, it's a dream for the business owners, but it's a nightmare for salespeople. And yeah, this is the long answer: is that you know we all have to be prepared for a future where we really gonna struggle to to find work. And I can see the signs right now. I have a lot of people on LinkedIn that have been consistently employed, Berkeley graduate, worked with big tech companies, yet they are struggling to find jobs right now. So think about it two, three down the line, two, three, four years down the line, and you have mass unemployment, and now government has to step in and do something about it, right? So. Mm, it's, and that opens up a whole wider debate, which I'm sure at some point, maybe on a follow-up uh, conversation, we possibly will go there because it is really interesting. And obviously, with the amount of research and you know the deep dives that you and your colleagues are doing um, with your syndicate, I mean, it's it's going to be a, an ever-increasing challenge, I think, for for many many disciplines. I mean, I know um, in production, for example, and manufacturing, already people are being impacted by this. And I think, you know, from a marketing perspective, I can speak very close to home to think, you know, content copywriters, for example, are going to have to then really start to add value, maybe in different ways than they used to, because you know we can use the simple interface with GPT four and 
can actually get an incredibly good result within seconds that we can edit and then publish. And, you know, it almost feels like we're leapfrogging over some of the people who, you know, have provided us for many decades with really great service. I'm, I'm just wondering how these kinds of things will play out, because I, I'm guessing there would still be a role, certainly in the coming years, for your AI agent, concierge, whatever we call it, to be managed because they're not self-managing, are they? You know, they have to be programmed, they have to be brief, they have to be, as you say, optimized. And I'm guessing as you add new services into the mix, um, as you maybe take your brand to a different audience, it would need to be retrained. So you have to kind of almost view it as an employee, do you, such that, you know, your salesperson then doesn't actually go out necessarily selling. They leave that to the agent, but then they manage the agent to make sure it's delivering as the business would want. Is that a like a redefinition of the role? Because it would feel to me like that's where that might be going. I agree. And I didn't want to um, portray that I'm saying like tomorrow all people should go uh, and, and sit at home and do nothing. I'm not saying that. I think that in the in the coming at least few years, it's going to be um, uh, it's going to be an how can I say it? It's going to help tremendously professionals across the board, not only salespeople. It's gonna it's gonna power um, these professionals to to ten x their production and become uh, superhuman because they are powered by these agents and these, uh, you know, AI in general. But you're right about the role right now. So if you are a salesperson, you have to act as train the trainer. The way, you know, imagine that you're in the sales organization, you've got like the VP of sales, right? The VP of sales most of the time does not pick up the phone and, and, and call and make, make sales calls. Usually, the senior the senior you get in the sales organization, the more your role becomes of uh, training and development of your staff, um, formulation of the offer itself, um, and formulation of sometimes you know a lot of in the sales organization they 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 have to memorize specific scripts that work uh, that proven to work with with clients and they um, they train their sales staff on these scripts. And I think this, this skill exactly has to be deployed, but instead of the staff for the, these agents, you have to babysit them, basically. You have to tell them like, oh, don't say that, say this. How about you, you word this thing like that? Um, and a lot of the times, for example, even with the Parrots Lab um, agent, um, sometimes when I ask question and I and I see the answer and I didn't like it, I will go and um, and revise the instruction, and say, um, and 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 I put stuff in in quotation marks and I want I want you to use this specific wording, and um, and it's like that. It's basically your um, you have you have an intern who was very good with language. And you are working with that intern, training them to uh, perform in a very specific way on your brand, um, knowing that they know the specific the specifics of all your products and services services very well. 
And this is another thing, you know, when we're dealing with humans, humans have limited memory, they forget. So now, um, and a lot of high ticket purchases, that's why I position Ferris Lab for high ticket purchases, because with, with high ticket product, uh, customers research a lot. Bec and, and, the, and the high ticket products as well, they have a lot of uh, specific uh, attributes and details to their, to their product. And therefore, humans can sometimes, again, they miss, for example, a client would, would be interested in a specific feature that the salesperson does not remember to, to, to bring it forward, where the AI agent definitely could, could do that much better. So I think salespeople has to switch into a role of training those, those agents, for, at least for the coming few years. But then in the future, you will have um agents to train the agents and um we will enter that vicious circle of of, of bad mm, and that's going to be very interesting and again if you're listening to this and you find yourself still sitting in that other category away from Nadja and myself thinking oh it's not coming i'm just going to hide and it'll be fine we'll always have social media the way we've got it now I'm hoping that you will have listened to what Nadja is telling you because this thing is here. It's not even arriving. It's arrived already. It's, it is already capable. It, are there particular industries or particular styles or types of business do you feel that will embrace this first? I mean, I mean you, you talk about high ticket products. Are there sort of particular types of um, sort of you know, digital presence or digital brands that would take this first? And are there kind of more, say, traditional businesses who will kind of wait and see how those guys do it and then maybe follow later? Do, do you already see a pattern in your research of certain types of brand or, or organization? or even marketer who would be more receptive to this early on yeah so from um from common sense um the the, the ideal customer for at least the, the agents that i provide would be um a customer that either uses a lot of marketing money um they have marketing budgets they they run a lot of ads um and then these ads generate traffic this traffic could come to a landing page or it could come to the main website or whatever. As soon as they, um, or there are some websites that have naturally, organically, they have a lot of traffic. So the first ingredient is that you need uh, traffic to that website. The second ingredient is that you need a product that is sophisticated. Like I wouldn't need to chat with an AI agent to buy um, this bottle of water. You know, it's too com it's commoditized. commoditized. The commodities, the small ticket commodities, you know, uh, they don't require research. They don't require uh, going into the nitty gritty. But if you are buying some sort of an electronic product that is expensive, and you want to know, like when you're buying a laptop or when you're buying, you, you really want to know like how much RAM it has and what's the resolution of the screen and all of these details. If you're buying a swimming pool, you know, you want to research that. If you're buying a house frame, you know, these, you know, modular houses, for example, if you want to buy these uh, high ticket items, you don't just go online and buy right away. You, you do extensive research. and um, 
the other ingredient is that the website has to be information dense. So the more uh, information density, the harder it is to browse the website because you need to develop a use case for this for this technology. And they, if I can go to uh, neilwilkins.com, for example, and with few clicks in my face, I can get all the information I need. So why, again, talk to an agent? Or it would not make sense for Neil to invest this, in this technology because the, inform, the amount of of information, the knowledge itself is very manageable with a, with a graphical user interface. Where if you have a, a highly information dense website, um, and I, I always um, I always give an example with with universities, for example, they have a ton of information, and um, a lot of the, a lot of you know I'm I'm a student myself, and a lot of time I struggle really to find where to go with all of this um, information load and, you know, they've got that information fatigue kind of thing. Um, and these are also um, ideal for, for an AI agent because AI agents can absorb a lot of context. And every day, these models are opening up even more context. If you remember ChatGPT when it first starts, it has a very short context window, but now they are increasing it. And if you go onto the page, they have like, thousands of, of words you can actually put a whole book inside and start talking to that book so um, so yeah you you need an information dense website you need high traffic and you need a, a complex product and with these three ingredients i can be a perfect fit because then uh, we have uh, we have a use case uh, that could be proven to be profitable and uh, makes sense uh, uh, as an investment. Hmm. It's curious, and I, I'm kind of seeing maybe even a, an, another opportunity, and I'd be interested to test this with you, is that when, when you're talking about um, sort of really complex websites or ones that are quite content heavy, there's been over the last probably 10 years or so um, a big, big push for content creation, so organic content creation. So the written word, uh, audio, obviously podcasts like this, but also video. If a, a brand or an individual, I'm thinking myself here, um, has a lot of content, so this is a, a real archive of content, uh, so it could be written blogs, it could be articles, white papers, newsletters, etc., would something like an AI agent be able to make accessing that big archive of information a lot easier? Because I, I could imagine maybe in, say, six months' time, wanting to go onto my website and to be able to track down all of the um, the podcasts, for example, that are including references to um, AI marketing. So I'll just use that as a phrase. Would my AI agent be able to say, hey, that's no problem at all. I can present you with this page of links or page of thumbnails that have all of those uh, specific episodes of your podcast, plus any blogs that you've written, presented on then a, a page that's created on the fly by that inquiry. Because that, to me, that would be taking search to a whole new level within a website. That would be so powerful. I'd, I'd buy that. I'd love that if I could afford it. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong absolutely uh, maybe the reason why i haven't really focused on personal brands uh, is because a lot of 
a lot of the you know personal brands they they don't have the the budget to to actually produce uh, something like that but initially when i when chatgpt came about i immediately thought about about digital replicas and this probably similar to what you were referring to so imagine um neil wilkins have produced uh, thousands of articles and written text and audio and, and video content over extensive period of, of time this could easily train um, an ai model that would literally replicate neil uh, when when we say replicate is because uh, it will replicate not only the the knowledge itself but also the style the delivery the wording the and this is so powerful if you go to chat and you say uh, answer my questions as if you are elon musk and you will notice a dramatic change in the way ChatGPT is answering because why because elon musk's public information is all what uh, was used to train this model and similarly you can say answer like um, another personality and it will shift that tone and style and you could do that also with personal brands uh, like yourself or anybody else um, and um, it's getting cheaper and cheaper to actually do that it's just the whole thing is about time investment and in, in, in learning the ins and outs uh, sometimes you know people want to learn how um, and I'm also gladly will, will show you uh, how to, to develop it, even right now with the GPT store. So, you know, you could do it. Maybe it's not going to live on your website, but you can do a GPT that lives on OpenAI's GPT store that represents you exactly the way you described it. And I can show you how to do it in, in a few, few minutes. Um, but then, of course, you need to optimize and keep stress testing it and, and make sure that it's it's working the way you want it to work. Mm. That is just such an invitation, isn't it, to any marketer, any business owner, any personal brand, uh, person or individual to just get in there and play, get in there, be curious and experiment with this. Because as you said, right at the start of the episode, th this thing is here. It's not going away. It's arrived. We, we've got this thing. And I think, you know, it's ignore it at your peril, I think, is the phrase. I mean, you none of us can afford to ignore this. It, it's here. We need to explore it. We need to figure out not just the why I'd want to do it, but the what can I do with this? And so it becomes very personal to whatever our goals, our strategies are. I mean, if you're in that one category that I was describing that will get very excited by this, I mean, you're probably already experimenting. But if you're in the other group, I would certainly really encourage you to try and be a little curious about this. Don't fear it. Hopefully, Nadja's given you some indications as to it is not to be feared. We're certainly not in the short term anyway. And that, you know, people like Nadja are available to be able to, to help you and guide you um, and provide sort of services and support as well as obviously Parrot's Lab if you do have some budget and you want to do this thing properly. Um, it's, it is really an open invitation to be part of this thing, isn't it? Totally. Totally. Um, you have no idea since um, since the release of ChatGPT and, and my obsession with this technology, um, I've been uh, trying to push all my friends and all the people I get in touch with. Even I do hiking on Sundays. 
And, uh, you know, I became known as the AI guy who, who will never stop talking about this. And I think, you know, it's a worthy mission. Like for me, if I could, if I could, and, and this has happened, by the way, I recently received a lot of uh, feedback from people who have, I have showed them ChatGPT and they start using it at their work. And now they're getting raises. Now they're getting bonuses and they feel so much more productive. They feel, you know, their, their self-esteem has, has grown tremendously. They could, they're also using this Gamma AI to produce presentations in, in, in short prompts. And then you prompt it and then all of a sudden you have a presentation that you used to work on for weeks to, to produce. Uh, you could use, um, uh, you could use, you know, a lot of people work in compliance and and they have to produce standard operating procedures and all of these that require tedious work and, and text. And now you could do it in, in, in no time. So I think people who have uh, embraced this technology will see a lot of important results in the near future for sure. So I definitely encourage anyone to play with it, experiment with it, and and push uh, and you know use your time wisely, because I think the most valuable the valuable asset we have is this time. Mm. And and by doing this and experimenting, you may well create time, or at least free up time to do the more valuable tasks. And ultimately, if AI can there be, you know, taking away those tasks that um, are really things that we have to do or have to have achieved, but we don't really add value as humans doing them, then great, because then it creates that freedom and that space to do the things where we can add the most value. So, yeah, I can certainly understand the value of doing that and and will continue to look for myself in those areas. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's really great advice. Nadja, as always, it's just been a great conversation. Really, really enjoyed it. And you, you've made me really sort of think and take note of some, some very key things here. I thought I knew it all, but no, I have no idea. I'm not even scratching the surface yet. So I've got loads more to learn and listen to. Um, so I'm going to be obviously following your podcast as you talk much more about this. And we'll include the link to your podcast as well uh, for everybody uh, in the uh, the description uh, of this episode below. So check out Nadja's podcast and uh, get along to Parrot's Lab as well and have a little play with Nadja's AI agent concierge on his website because it's a really, really interesting experience. And it is very, I have to say, Nadja, it's very on brand. Uh, it's its very usable, isn't it? It's not like you're talking to a technology. It feels like you're actually talking to somebody who really has a sense of, of who you are and, and the business. So it's exciting. Thank you so much, uh, Neil, for having me and for your friendship and for your mentorship. Uh, you've been instrumental in my career and uh, yeah, I look forward to continue this relationship and um, I value uh, and I listen to a lot of your podcasts too. I, I was telling you offline that I've been binging your, your episodes and I see a lot of value in, in, in the conversations and the people you bring, you bring on this podcast. So I, uh, I want to encourage you to keep going um, and uh, yeah, I look forward for, uh, for more of your episodes as well. well that's brilliant. Thank you again.